clubhouse. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're here to discuss the 12th, the penultimate episode of the third season of Hulu's Handmaid's Tale. This one was called... Sacrifice. Sacrifice. We, again, we have parallel storylines with our protagonist and our protagonist's frenemy. (laughs) And and in both cases, there are sacrifices. Different, the nature of them is different, but they still have sacrifices that that have to be made. What is like the technical term for Serena's role, like the character? She's not an antagonist exactly, but what would you call her? Because she's- I've I've seen um, different, different terminology applied that I don't know if it's made up within like a certain person's own school of thought, but I've heard of the word like co-tagonist or something like that. Co-tagonist. Yeah, it's like, it's like uh, someone that... Um, Is a co-tagonist? Right, they're, 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 they're more of a henchman type, so that's not really um, exactly right. Yeah, not exactly a henchman per se. But, all right. Well, in the sense that... Because she's definitely not the protagonist, but she's definitely... I mean, Gilead as a whole is like the antagonist, right? I, I mean, believe so. There's individuals who are like playing the part, playing it out. But Serena's like her own biz. I wonder what... Yeah, co-tagonist, perhaps. I don't know. A lot of people probably have a lot of bad names for Serena, I'd if, guess. If any dramatists out there know the correct terminology, we'd be happy to be more educated about it. Hit us up, man. We'll say the right words in the future. Now will be one to grow on, Paul. Wow, that's really good. Yep. <laughs> okay, let's get right to it. We can split this up into like shit going down in the Lawrence household and with June. And then on the other side, we've got Canada. Oh, Canada. All that is going on over there. Finally, Canada. I know, right? I can remember like in the last episode when we were like watching and you were like, if we have to watch her sit on her bed, I'm going to like barf. Like I want more Canada. Canada is where it... That is where it is at. Interesting stuff is happening (laughs) in this show. Okay, imagine me in like a 70s turtleneck with like really floppy legs walking down the street. And I was like, Canada is where it is at. That is exactly how I imagine that to fly. Bell bottoms I look so good in a turtleneck, right? No, I don't because I have a really short neck. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, let's get to it. All right. So remember Chekhov's gun, Paul? Remember the gun that was given to June? Yeah. Okay. So now she thinks she's hearing some footsteps outside. She gets all eked out. So she pulls the gun. But who she pulled the gun on? Mrs. Lawrence. Eleanor. As soon as that gun pointed at Eleanor, I looked at you and I said, oh, no. Foreshadowing. Eleanor is going to die in this episode and somehow it's going to be at June's hands. Now, I did not have any idea that it was going to go down the way it went down. But June pointing a gun at Eleanor was like, da <laughs> No, that's certainly that's a different thing. Um, all right. So... Then it turns out, no, these are not the Gestapo coming to get June to haul their asses away because of the shit that went down at Jezebel's in the last episode. No, Paul, that's not what this is. These are commanders, hat in hand, coming to ask for Joseph Lawrence's help in light of the fact that... Two, count them, two leaders. Two big leaders are missing. Yeah, so Winslow has been just assumed MIA, which I guess that's a fair assumption given that Fred and Serena appear to have just gone like sort of AWOL and then were snatched by Canadian authorities. But it was sort of thought of like, no, but they weren't in their right area, right? Like there was some thought that like they weren't doing the right thing. I'm sure that even your most studious commanders don't put Jezebels down in their uh, agendas. No, pl- you don't think so? In their planners? Planning their weeks, right. They're not all like Thursdays. Free drink night at the Jezzies. <laughs> right. Top sirloin. Oh, God. Right. It's, all, it's a lobster buffet. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Seafood. Gross. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, back to the Jezzies. So, Winslow, nobody's making any connections there. So, all awesome. 
June goes into that meeting. She's like over here and she's got like her huge horn come out of her ear. Like, what? Oh, what I'll, are y'all talking about? I'll take the here? goody tray. Mm, I can handle this. Crumpet, anyone? <laughs> she's like <laughs> handing it out. They're all like, what? Okay, whatever. I don't care. We got a couple little nuggets of information, right? We got the Winslow missing. We got the Waterford snatched. We got a little teeny tiny little nug from of Matthew's baby is a three pound preemie and still in the hospital. Not doing that great. Good little nug to get. Maybe important foreshadowing, perhaps. I don't know. Is anyone going to try to save a NICU baby? Don't know. We don't know if they're going to try to get babies out. We don't know what's happening here. What if some like Janine type gets it in their brain that they need to run back for the baby in the NICU? Tough shit. They're going to be dangling from a plane. Other bits that we got are that there's not a consensus that Joseph Lawrence is the way to get out of their this this power void. They were arguing about that fact in front of him. Seems like he'd Awkward. want to come in with a more united message. Right. And maybe also- they all came up, since they didn't show the vans come up. I mean, we're just assuming that they all came up in one van, but maybe they didn't. Maybe they came up where there was like five cars like- and they all came in on the scene at the same time. Why would the other guy come in and be like, no, I don't think you're the guy? Well, because I'm saying like maybe they just knew like the first guy was going to show up there and ask Joseph and like the other guy didn't have time to intervene. So he screams up in his automobile and then he comes into the meeting and he's like, I object. And they're all like, no. And he like beats his shoe on the table like, no, no, hear ye, hear ye, like that business. I'm just saying maybe they didn't have time to talk because the whole Winslow thing just happened last night. Think about that. The other bit that we learned is that they are feeling like they need to tighten up, that that they're being threatened, that they're being... Like that the borders need to be secure. Backed in a corner. Heller, we all said that the whole time, right? Like, why you guys have all these borders all over the place that are like really unmanned or no one's really paying attention to it, right? Mm-hmm. You got to have some checkpoints somewhere around the city. They want to move troops around. I mean, you got to be smart. Points Paul, of look, exit. I'm against Gilead. I'm on the record for that. But if you're going to have Gilead and if I own Gilead, right? <laughs> right. I would secure my borders. Okay, this is something y'all need to know about Caroline. Okay, anytime I go anywhere, after about five minutes I'm there, I say this line. If I own this, now fill in the blank, jump place, skating rink, restaurant, (laughs) hospital, whatever. I would run it completely differently and let me give you a list of the improvements I would make. (laughs) And if you're my companion that day, I am not going to complain to you. I am actually going to be positivity central. I'm going to tell you all the things that could be better and how I would cost effectively improve such places. It's always educational. Oh, there's going to be safety concerns. I'm going to make sure that costs are cut, but we're going to make sure that our customers are always taken care of. Okay. We're going to have a good product. Okay. That's at the end of the day. That's my Gilead promise. Goes without saying. Okay. But here's the deal. Gilead, totally anti, but secured borders. If you're going to run your country, I'm pretty like thumbs up on that. Like, I mean, you guys, you're running a really sketchy country. You're going to want to lock that shit down. Okay, it's just basic shitty country 101. Okay, right. Am I right? Right. If you've kidnapped people, again, am I for kidnappings? No. Okay, but if I'm going to kidnap somebody, I'm going to make sure their shackles are tight. I'm going to make sure my security border is tight. Okay, I'm not just going to let people wander away. Right? That's bad kidnapping. Yeah, that's bad fascism. Why bother? Is my point. Fucking follow through, folks. Okay. 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 It's FFTF. Fucking follow through, folks. That's all I'm asking for. Paul put some shrooms in dinner tonight, I think. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. So here's the situation. My parents went away on a week's week. No, that's a whole other thing. No, but here's the thing. So we find out a lot of good things in the morning, right? Things are feeling good. Winslow's missing, but no one's pointing fingers. There's a much better energy in the house. Yeah. Hey, everybody's like boogity boogity. Until around. the wives show up and they're like, let's have a prayer meeting. Yeah, but even so, right? So things are going okay up to that point because everybody is feeling like this is going fine. But then Eleanor... Today is not a good day in Eleanor land. She's forgetful about who's in on the plan. (laughs) And she just starts saying stuff, Paul. Now, do you feel that June and Joseph handled this well? Yeah, yeah, as well as they could. They, They tried to make it sound like the things that Eleanor said were actually what she meant, but she just kind of said it a little wrong. In a funny way, right? Right. Which is actually pretty fair because the people that were there were Mrs. Winslow and 
Mrs. Putnam. Mrs. Putnam. Mrs. Putnam, man, she gets around. She's best friends with everybody who's going through something, right? Who's she's watching like, her kids? She's like, you going through something? Let me come sit with you. Because she's like always the lone friend, right? Like other people don't come. You're like, oh, Serena, let me sit with you. Uh. And then it's like, oh, Mrs. Wenzel, you're having a problem. Uh. Whatever. But here's the deal. Eleanor, she knows for a fact, says wonky stuff. I mean, remember, like, I'm so glad you're not dead, baby, when they're on the walk. So if I was June, I'd be like winking at Mrs. Putnam, like, sometimes Eleanor says things in unorthodox ways. So we're all on the same page here, right? I thought it was nice that Joseph said, Mikasa Sukasa. Look at him trying to just be like very just open and generous with everybody. Not really. But he's trying to cover for old Eleanor. Got to do it, right? Right. Do you think it worked? Do you think that the Putnam or the Winslow misses are getting any kind of sniffs of trouble? Do you do did any information get across to them? Or were they so in sorrow they couldn't pay attention? No, Mrs. Winslow was paying attention. She was. She was giving a lot of looks like I think you know more than you're saying somehow, and I have no idea why that could be, but I'm sure of it. This babbling situation, obviously comes to a head here and this is really bad stuff Paul at that one point later Eleanor decides she's like bundling up to head out for the day and they're all like hey Ellie where are you going on your errands and she's all I'm going to pick up the children we're all like oh no 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 if you can see my face right now I'm doing prayer hands I'm like Eleanor you got to stay in the house okay girl you are not ready for prime time right. right when you go out there you say stuff like I'm glad your baby's not dead you're uncomfortable you're making the neighbors wonder Mrs. Winslow's got her peepers on you we cannot have this How do you feel about how June responded to her chatter? It's probably, you know, not in the modern books on psychotherapy, but it's like she needed her to snap out of it, you know, like to get out of whatever mind space she was in that was so careless and sloppy with the information. And she thought that firmness was the way to go in order to get that that change. It reminds me of that old school thinking of like, uh, let's move, let's put our brains into clue right now. When you have the screaming, the, ah, you know, and then they all line up and slap Mrs. Peacock in the face, remember? Right. And then they said, I have to stop her from screaming. Remember that line? Right. Total Mr. Green, right? I feel like it was kind of, that kind of thought it was like if you if you if the person is like in some sort of like babbling rant if somehow you could just slap them into reality like an airplane when they have like that line of people yes they that... also line up and start slapping <laughs> <laughs> precisely Paul this was well thought of at some point in time as a proper medical response to someone <laughs> babbling you slap them around a right. little shake them whatever whatever okay so but here's my question mark and this is a little sadder so I'm gonna take a little more serious tone okay did june's attempt to slap her into reality actually snap eleanor's yeah i mean that final look that she gave her was a realization that she can't help herself and that there's something bigger going on now than just saving her she was willing to go out in her night clothes or whatever and go get more kids you know so so confused which I feel. Well, I don't her. mean. I don't mean the confusion. I mean the devotion to yes. to the to the idea. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Which is what makes it so sad, right? Like Eleanor is so completely wanting this plan to go well that she is like racking her own mind. Like, think of how little the woman has been out in public. Right. We know she's like pretty much sheltered in the house. And yet she was racking her brain for any child she could think of in the neighborhood that she could go find. Like, think about that, really. Mm -hmm. She had such little contact with everybody. And she was honestly trying to be like, well, thinking everyone else might forget this kid that lives next door. So I should go get them. I think properly managed Eleanor could have been saved. I think so, too. And I want to talk about that for a second. So do you think if they had given Eleanor a job, per se... Like your job is to organize boxes in the basement. All of the boxes on this side of the basement have to get moved to this side of the basement and vice versa. And this is integral to the plan. Do you think if they had just given her something that like occupied her mind and kept her like physically busy so that she felt like she was helping, Mm -hmm. do you think that that could have actually saved the day or actually just put like Beth or that other little helper maid person, which I swear to God, I never even know her name, just glued to the hip. 
Don't allow her to leave the house. Just keep on top of the situation. Any one of those things. Could that have worked? Or was it just like, she's too much of a liability. And at this point, if commanders are coming in the house, we got wives coming in the house. Only a couple of days ago, we had the Waterfords and the Winslows in the house. Is the place becoming too much of Grand Central Station where like, she just can't stay hidden. Like we're not going to be able to quiet her. In the process. I mean, they still got a week to go. At this, yeah, point. at this point, it was a red flag for sure, but it was too early in the in the process overall for there to be some sort of belief that she's ultimately too dangerous to the to the whole enterprise. OK, so let's get into this part. June is in charge of bringing Eleanor that tray. We've got Eleanor in there. She's she's not waking up. I didn't know what we were going to see because she was kind of like gurgling, kind of making some sounds. Well, breathing super hard, super deep. Yeah, but almost in that way of like, um, I, for my own self, I guess I haven't ever heard that in terms of like... Um, you breathe like that when you're super oh, asleep. right. That's quite enough out of you over there. I'm trying to say, I haven't heard that in terms of like a suicidal pill situation like this. I don't know that I've seen that on TV about a handful of times. But I've heard that gurgling kind of or deep breathing sound when somebody is like has a gunshot wound and they're like trying to breathe maybe one of their lungs. Even they sort of did it with Winslow with the pen and he starts like wheezy breathing kind of doing stuff. So I thought somehow, now don't ask me how this would have happened, that she had the gun and she somehow had shot herself, but not in the head, not a fatal shot. Like okay. one of those awful suicide situations where, you know, you've seen that before where they like put it under their chin, but it only blows off half their face, but they don't die. Like stuff like that. Like you've, I've seen that on shows or TV stuff before. It's awful, awful, awful stuff. So I didn't know if we were going there. So as the camera was coming around the side of the bed, I got to tell you, I was trying to steal myself for like some grotesque business because they kind of dig that on this show. You know, overdose of pills is not really the thing. They don't, they're they not all about medicine and they don't usually take the non-gory way out. If this was Game of Thrones, I would say poison is a woman's weapon. And that's basically what she did to herself. So, okay, so that's the other thing. When I thought it appeared she was poisoned, I again was surprised to see the pills. I thought surely we would see some sort of herbal something because there had been that threat from one of the the Martha situation. Remember they said, I could put poison in your food. You wouldn't even know it. You would die. We'd dump your body. We'd say it was a suicide and no one would think anything of it. Remember in the Martha Mafia conversation right before this Mafia. Right, so when she's sitting there kind of gurgling, and she appeared poisoned. I thought someone poisoned her. Beth maybe had overheard the nonsense talk, thought she's going to screw this up and had poisoned the food. And they're actually going to follow through that Martha plan. Poison her, dump her body, call it a suicide, right? Wow. You thought all that? I did think all that. I thought, no, I thought. I was like, no Caroline way. makes that sound when she's sleeping. That's all yeah, you thought. Yeah, I thought sleep and then they show the pills and they show she won't get up and it's like, it all adds up. <laughs> And here I was like, and behind door B. No mafia. No, I was all over the mafia. Didn't that make friggin' sense though? Think about it for a second. Wouldn't it have made sense if she had been poisoned by one of them? Mm. Dude, yes. Rat hole. Rat hole. You're a rat hole. All right. Anyway, so I felt like her initial response of being all like, ah, Eleanor, you butt, what are you doing? Shaking her around, of course, because the first medical treatment is slap the person around, right? <laughs> right. Step one, slap their face. That's always, a, I mean, you know CPR, right? It's like, it's supposed to be like slap their face, pump, pump, slap their <laughs> face, right? Isn't that it? Right. It's one slap for every 30 compressions. <laughs> Could you imagine? We could like do our own video and be like, hey, we're going to do a TV version of CBR. So what you're going to want to do is uh, grab the person by the collar and hold them up, slap them in the face, and then start doing compressions rapidly. Right. That yeah. seems dead on. If that doesn't CBR. work, do the double-fisted pounding on the chest. <laughs> and but you know what the key is? You have to be straddling them at the time. <laughs> And yelling, damn it, damn right. it, whomever the person's name is. Come back to me, damn it, Jim, like that, right? right? Exactly. That is, these, you guys, these are medical tips that we don't even list in our podcast description that you don't even know what you're going to get each week. You know, that's just the reality of the daily review, okay? Sometimes you're going to get TV. Sometimes you're going to get life-saving hijinks. 
Right, that's just simple first aid. That's not really that's not going to qualify as medical advice per se, because you know we're not licensed in that area. Oh, but Paul lost his license. It was a whole thing. <laughs> but I think giving first aid advice, I don't. I mean, anybody you feel can good do on that? that. Right, You're like you, know, you, you want to clean that wound and then put a bandage. Right, on that's it. not medical advice, isn't it? Though and this is the same All thing. Right, fine, listen, I'm shutting down the hotline number. You guys stop calling, okay? It's no longer considered medical advice. It's first aid. <laughs> Paul says you can get it from your local library so stop calling us all right but anyway sadness paul take it down a notch okay you're not being sufficiently somber about this really sad sitch okay now june she's squealing she's slapping a face but she clams up she has a moment of reflection upon is it better for thine plan and thine own self if eleanor is six feet under i hated her for this talk to me talk to me it was selfish again. It wasn't really her call. Uh, Eleanor could have been managed. She could have possibly even been saved still at that moment. And, do you think she could have been? I mean, and, I do wonder. And I think it is one thing to think, well, this is a person who is an obstacle to my plan. But it is another thing to realize this person is the only reason why the most powerful part of the plan even wants to do it. Yes. And that is so freaking key. She is at the soft spot in Joseph's heart. She, although it appears has a moment of reflection and thinks it through, it appears you're right. I don't think she did because I think if she really thought it through, she would realize that every time that Joseph is such a hard ass and such a dick to everyone around him, the only thing that brings him back to that soft place, to that place of actually being a human being is Eleanor always and forever. So she didn't think if you eliminate Eleanor, you are going to harden that man's heart. And the second you do that, you are in a world of hurt like you could not even imagine because now you live in the house of a man who has lost his only love. He's got no reason to live anymore. And he already has a country and he already has all this like awful torture devices and whatnot at his disposal. What have you just unleashed on the world by taking away the one thing that keeps him human? Great question. This episode doesn't exactly answer that. We get through the um, funeral. Which, let's talk about that moment. We have the moment when they're standing graveside. Yes. This was so uncomfortable, Paul. We actually watched this like two or three times because Commander Lawrence is standing there. He's obviously having a moment with his wife. Now, I thought she did something semi, semi thoughtful. And she said, would you rather be alone And when he doesn't answer, then she kind of steps forward. Maybe one of the most considerate moments we've seen June actually do in a long time, right? Yeah. But then when she puts her hands the same as his hands, there was something about it that had this air of, this is not going to quite sound right, but by mimicking his body language, it stripped All of the sincerity and genuine feeling of the moment. It made it look like she was just a robot or just a mannequin or something being put in place with no actual feeling behind it. And it was copying what should be the thing she's doing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I understand completely. It tipped him off. The second that she put her hands the way his hands were, His facial expression went from one of like contemplation and sadness about his wife to a heavy skepticism, like a heavy, what did you do? Like, what part did you have in this? And what went on here? Guys like Commander Lawrence are often the smartest person in the room, you know? Mm -hmm. I include June being in that room. Me too. He's very good at reading people. I could imagine... Amongst the various reasons why his Gilead uh, plan was adopted was he could put in the plan his expectations about how people would react and how people could be handled and all those kinds of things that you'd need to kind of shape your rebellion, right? And get people to either buy in or the kinds of people that you knew right away wouldn't be of any use and needed to be killed outright. Mm -hmm. This is all stuff that makes him, like you said, someone that reads people diabolically down to their essence for good or for bad. So that makes me very worried for June 
that he's going to figure this out really quick. I, I think that in that moment standing there, he figured it out already. Maybe not so far as the entire thing, but the way that she thought that she should even step forward and stand next to him, to me, already losing the game here. She tipped her hand a little bit in the kitchen when she says, I could have taken her tray of her. I could have checked on her. Like, you shouldn't have yeah, I, created an image of you going in her room in his mind. I would have been quiet about all of those things. And I feel like that, you know, I understood on one side. See, I don't even think it was from a humanity, compassion kind of thing where, you know, he's starting to blame himself. I think she should have just been like, you know, we were trying to actively get her out. You were trying. You know, we were so close. We were days away from getting her help. Those types of words, Yes. But you're right. Dwelling on that day, dwelling on that moment, talking about like where you were and where and what part you could like. Mm-hmm, I don't like that. I think that was bad. But I'm telling you, I understand that the motion that he did of putting his hands the way he did might have seemed very benign. But lots of people put their hands in front of them, especially at a funeral, especially when right. you're sad. Right. But there was a specific way he had his hands. And if you think about a specific movement, then change the movement and imagine if she had done it. Let's say he was standing with his hands on his hips, okay? Mm -hmm. A specific, unusual choice, right? But say he was, or saluting, or putting his hands straight down at his sides, whatever, right? Pick a different thing. And she walks up to him, and then he watches her do the same move. It would be unnerving, right? If she suddenly put her hands on her hips, or if she suddenly saluted, or if she suddenly... Get where I'm going with this? Yeah. Like, it was such a tell that she was trying to just sort of morph into his co-partner position. Yeah. Uh, Like, hey, we're one in the same. Look, I'm mirroring what you're doing. That it just was like blew up. The face even that she gave him is a face I have not seen her make. And we, unfortunately, have been all up in Elizabeth Moss's grill every single episode. But that particular face that she was making to him was weird. It flooded with too many things. She needed it to stay exactly still if she wanted to preserve the illusion that she was ignorant of anything, having to do with thing. But instead... It flooded with sorrow, but but maybe, but regret, I think. Yes. And that was too much. Regret. And I would say some guilt even. Sort of like this, like, am I selling it? Kind of came across on her face. Like, a, is he buying this look in her eye? You know, that you were like, what the fuck is she? Why isn't she just looking at him with a plain, wide-eyed, relaxed face? Why isn't she just looking at the grave? Amen to that. Look down, for God's sake. Look, has Aunt Lydia taught you nothing? Posture. (laughs) Posture, woman. Look down. It's, again, that whole game of, like, June seems to forget herself all the time. She's constantly forgetting her role. She's constantly forgetting what her relationship to people around her really is. You know, she is nothing to Commander Lawrence. Nothing. She was a means to an end, and at the time... A friendly face with Eleanor. For whatever reason, Eleanor had some affinity for her and would be willing to listen to her. And I think the way that they showed that so many times in the last couple episodes between the gunpoint, how June was the one to talk her down. June was the only one who got her away from the door to come back in. I think that those moments, if you really replayed them, you'd say it was very clear to Joseph how much influence June had on Eleanor. And so she probably could have said things to Eleanor that could have changed the tide. If you replace those things in his head and realizes that she is a strong influence on my wife and my wife ultimately chose to kill herself, what in the world was going on? You know, what was being said or done behind closed doors, literally, that I didn't know? Because Eleanor, I know, did this on her own, but... You know? Yeah. Because of Eleanor's ways, it is a big fat question mark if... Beth or somebody did give her those pills. The only reason why I say that is because previous episodes, they got all of the scones baskets because that was to signify there's no more medication available for Eleanor. Where are all these bottles of pills? What are they? They were already saying there's nothing left for her. We have nothing. There are no more medicines. Hmm. So a little like, where'd she get? Not just like one or two pills, but like a lot of pills. Well, they could be... And it could be anything. Ambience or... 
you know, something, something Maybe. that just slow your heart down. They were green and white from what I could see, but not that that matters. I mean, you can make them anything. Right. But RIP Eleanor, she was a soft heart in this group. I thought that when she was described as a very kind woman, I thought that that was actually a super accurate way to describe her because she was so kind that she actually took herself out of the mix. She sacrificed herself for the good of the plan that it would actually go through. She was hoping more children would get out if she wasn't there to accidentally spill the beans. And so of all the people in Gilead so far, she's been actually the most selfless in all of it. You know, she was willing to do anything for anyone, no matter how outlandish it was, no matter what kind of personal anguish it was going to cause her. No matter how unqualified she was for being able to do it. Yeah. I mean, think about like how confused she got, like going to the school and everything and how much she was like yelling and stuff. It's like, I don't know that she had the wherewithal to understand that like she was going to get there, but she put herself in the position of having those chaotic moments rather than just being like, I should just stay at the house, you know, shouldn't push it out there. You know what I'm saying? Like because of June, always because of June. Right. RIP Eleanor. I feel very sad. She is absolutely going to be the catalyst as far as I'm concerned to harden Joseph's heart and cause a 180 in his ability to find any compassion or empathy for the situation in Gilead. Big question marks about will he be able to keep his motivation? Let's talk about a couple more challenges that were revealed in this episode that they were small moments that you might not have caught, but if you really look at them, I think they're going to end up causing some real challenges. When we went to the grocery store, we have this moment where June is saying, hey, Alma, good news. We're going to get your boy out. How would you describe Alma's reaction to that? Underwhelmed. She did not smile. She wasn't happy. She she turned away from June and left without really saying ta-ta. So it was a very mixed message because she seemed on board like a week ago, but now she's giving a very mixed message. What did you read? Same. I, I think that she was thinking that the plan seemed probably very far-fetched, I would think. She said that she had heard about the plan from the Marthas. So my guess is she heard something about 52 kids, a plane, all these things that probably sounded like flying out, like in the entire population on a bald eagle. You know, it just sounded so... <laughs> Canada I don't, goose. Yeah, it just sounded so fake. And I don't know. And all she could see is her own child being collateral. You know, who's going to get caught in the crossfires here? That's a good point. It's one thing... Kind of like uh, the point I was trying to make about Joseph and Eleanor in the last podcast about their chances of slipping through as a twosome is quite a bit better than slipping through with 52 kids. Alma might be, and this, this is just a might, but she might be thinking along the same lines that it was one thing when her son was one of 10 in the back of you know, a box truck or whatever, but now... 52 in a cargo plane? This is a big deal. It feels a lot like they're going to get shot down, you know, and it feels insane. Yeah. So I I think that that's going to be a huge challenge. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that there's a fair shot that Alma and some other handmaids might very well create some sort of deterrent here. You know, I'm not sure how, but some sort of counter information to the Marthas and be like, look, we actually don't want our kids to go. I feel better knowing he's down the street than I would feeling like he's gone forever. And that seemed like kind of part of it was that Alma was like, wait, what? And then June has to say, look, you'll be his mom forever. As if to be like, I know I'm bringing him way further away from you, but don't be freaked out about that. And almost like, "Mm, I'd like rather him keep close by, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know who's on the smarter side of that, but that's going to be a challenge. Secondary little monkey wrench that came in is that Rita had a conversation with June over the potato bar area. The one little nugget that I gained from that was that Serena had left Rita with a happy hug and like a cheerful goodbye. And June recognized this. That means she's up to something. So these challenges that Caroline's talking about, they kind of fit into different categories. So that first one about Alma, that one's the nearest term. Whereas this one is Serena's down the road, man. That's that's just going to be like a, a longer term problem for her to have to deal with. Well, I think though the key about that is that she kind of had Nicole on, like she thought it was a safety zone. Like she thought we were playing a game and she had was in the, what's that game? Is it Sorry? Where once you get the guy to home, you, mm. you can consider that guy safe, like no one can yeah. touch it. So with the idea of Serena leaving with some sort of something going on, You have to have that thought of like, shit, I thought I just had to get Hannah out and get back. Now Nicole's like back in play in terms of like, oh God, 
You know, is she going somewhere to go get the baby? And if she is, now I got two girls that are still like loose in the world. Well, the information Problem. that everyone has is that Serena's been captured. They don't actually know down there that she cut yes, a deal. But the key is what Rita said. She was happy when she left. And like June says, if she's happy when she left, then she was up to something. So they know that the news that Serena was just captured, she's in a jumpsuit, she's in prison, isn't accurate because Serena doesn't leave happily like that to go on some sort of trek unless she's got some other plan in her head. So that was the key. That was the nugget there. Mm -hmm. Additionally, challenge-wise, if we're recapping challenges, now Joseph Lawrence, huge power, huge hardened heart, and highly skeptical of June. These are big changes on that side. Well, and like we mentioned earlier, the government is coming and saying, you know, we'd, we'd like your leadership at this point. And he's skeptical of that. You know, he wasn't like, uh, oh, great. Thanks. Thanks for asking. It's 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 a real honor. He's like, now, now is now's the time that you need me. I've been here the whole time. But on the other hand, we've seen where men do grasp at power on this on this show. And especially like, you know, the whole thing where June was talking in the kitchen and he said and she said, so did they agree to keep like the, you know, the security checkpoints kind of stuff open or whatever things going to be OK? And he said it's really hard to argue with a man in mourning. There was something to that that was like a little like, again, June's moves in having Eleanor not be saved created his appeal and sort of like absolute power nature with these other people in a way that, again, he was yelling on the phone, have you never thought of unintended consequences? I think that's a huge ass theme of this entire episode is him screaming, don't you understand unintended consequences? And that's what June did here. Eleanor dying creates huge unintended consequences for her. If he goes for this absolute power and now he has it because he's mourning for Eleanor even more so, Mm -hmm. and so now anything he says goes... There's not even a checks and balance for him. Oh, shit. You know, even some of the men who were really insane may have checked his power. But now, no way. He's just going to walk on by. So, man, unintended consequences. Let's get into Canada and start talking about some unintended consequences going down over there. Uh, ordinarily, we'd cover Fred and Serena together, but <laughs> that's, there's no reason to do that as Serena informs Fred. I thought that opening shot of Fred, the very first time we see him, and he's in that glass prison, which I thought was really interesting. Very glass houses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the way that he's standing there, he has his arms spread out in a very crucifixion kind of way. pose Yeah. I... Like, as soon as I saw him, I was like, whoa, that is, like, very indicative of a sacrifice. The title gives it away in this one. What did you think about Serena coming in and laying it all out for Fred? I thought it was a way for her to clear her conscience. She's basically washing her hands of him. And so she wanted to say a few final things to him that might help, but still deliver the message that she's out of it with him at this point. But to do it... Up front and kind of up front. I was going to say like... She didn't really admit to her, her role in this in, in like black and white terms. She just she, said she enough. Said she, was, she said she was fine. She said she was going to be fine. So that let him know that like, wait a minute, you're asking me not to say anything to, on your behalf and you're telling me that you already know you're in the clear. What did you do? Yeah. You know, what have you, what have you done here? So it was very clear. I will take it a step further and say... To ask to talk to him alone in a room without a guard in there or anything, I think she very much wanted to incite him. Now, I'm surprised he didn't slap her or something else, but he was choking her. He was choking her. Which I know is insane that we are, again, like, God, we've been in this show for so long that we're like, oh, he's choking her throughout this conversation. We're like barely even paying attention to that. We're still acting like the dialogue is just between two people sitting in chairs. Like I was like, guards do pay attention to prisoners. Well, you would have thought so because obviously we have later with the Luke and Fred conversation there's guards and everybody right there so you would have thought that someone would have been there to bust that up like pretty damn quick also highly unlikely you would allow two people like that to like co-mingle because what if she's like okay I have the cyanide pill for you here you go and then she gets to go to Hawaii and he gets and he commits suicide quietly in his room and they don't get anything out of it right you know so you would have thought they wouldn't have let them mingled like that But I really thought she wanted to piss him off and get him to say some ugly things. 
And then that way, it's so much easier to leave. You know, if he said a bunch of like, you're a bitch and you deserve to die, it's real easy to be like, and I'm done. You know, we're not going to talk about the bakery conversations, not going to be the last thing you said to me, right? We're going to go ahead and outie right after you choke my neck, you know? Messed up, but that's Serena to a T. That fits. Definitely fits. Look at Moira coming along with the baby. Moira's sort of my hero in this episode. Talk to me. Tell me everything. How she needed to say her bit before she was dismissed from the the meetup. And the way when Tulo says... There's no call for that, you know. I the, thought that was such bullshit. The way that, and then, then the way that she said "fuck you" was a way that if I am ever in an argument with a government official and I need to say "fuck you" to that person, I want to say it as cool and collected as she said it. She didn't. She didn't spit it out like a, like a protester uh, with the national guard pulling her uh, away from from whatever it is. She just said it like she was not ruffled. And that's how I would want to be in that moment. Fuck you. Anyway, <laughs> just kept going with yeah. what she needed to say. Admirable. Yeah. I mean, it was it was clear no one should step in here. And this is a conversation that is going to be had. This woman is going to hear my words. And I've been waiting for this moment for X amount of time. And nobody's going to stop me from saying what I want to say. I thought that what she said was, was real. I thought... Telling Serena to her face, your husband raped me as well and was like brutal to me and awful and hope you love that little image in your head. All those things, which I'm even happy that she said it in front of the social worker. She said it in front of Tulo. She said it in front of like a guard. That was important stuff because I felt like even though this was, of course, not some sort of testimony moment or something that was being written down, you can't unhear things. You know, and so if you're in the room when one woman says to the other, your husband brutally raped me, that might stick, you know, and that might cause you to treat Serena a little bit less friendly. Well, that she would tolerate the guy. Yeah. Marry him. Okay. So then we have the baby visitation time with Serena. I thought it went pretty much as expected, really. Baby's super uncomfortable. Fussy. Yeah. I mean, Serena's like, I'm not so sure, like, what the frig. But the big nail in the coffin was when she's trying to calm the baby and she's like, mama's here. And that social worker's right there to say, we're not calling yourself mama because that's just too confusing. (laughs) Talk about unintended consequence. Talk about that. She thought she could sell Fred out and step back into being Nicole's mother. Mm-hmm. No, buddy. You sold your husband out. But now all these people just heard you say, you know, what What a brutal person you are and your whole life and everything that's going on with you that you held down Moira's friend and a part of a rape and all this kind of stuff. Guess what, babes? We're not going to let you talk to this baby and say you're its mom and be sweet on it, whatever. Like, nah, you have an hour visitation and that ticking time clock would look like bomb numbers as it was going by, clicking by. They were not going to have like a lot of love. The social worker was not like just cool. I'll sit in the corner. She was like going to monitor everything she was saying and doing with like a critical eyeball. I'm surprised that the level of mm, respect that they're giving Gilead's customs you know, it's not like this is some ancient civilization that you shouldn't interfere with the way that they do things, even though it seems a little backwards to you, you know? So this which is, part? What are you saying about the... about the um, That she could have a claim to this child in at all. any way. Okay. She's not involved. She's not genetically involved. She quote-unquote cared for, but as like a, the the matron of a household cares for children. like not, Right, and we know Rita took a lot of care of that baby. Right, exactly. So her connection as baby is this weird psycho obsession, but it's not really motherly love. So what do you think? Do you think the Canadian government is giving her this little bit of like a nugget of with Nicole, but like in reality, they're never going to give her over? I mean, if this was a one hour visitation, what, you know, like where, where are they going with this? I mean, you're right on the psycho obsession. Like you're right that regardless of what you looked at when it was Fred and Serena, assuming they were even willing to consider that Fred was the real father. Serena was never the real mom. Like there was no confusion on that front. Right. So then what do you think they're possibly doing? Are they just appeasing her enough for her to like testify, obviously give up Fred. That was the valuable commodity she had. But what are they really going to give her at the end of the day besides pizza and newspapers? Enough pizza and newspaper and you might get her to come around to seeing that their way is better in freedom and equality in Canada 
but that's not going to make her forget the baby. I can't really truck with the idea that one of these visits, Canada's just going to say, okay, Luke, you can just go home now. I don't I, think that's going to happen. I don't think so happen. either. I don't think so at all. And in a way, the way that they have had no problem showing us how June was losing her mind in the room with of Matthew, and the doctor said, I told them you can't leave someone in a room for months on end and expect them to like not lose their mind, basically. Remember that little bit of foreshadowing? Yeah. Well, I'm kind of wondering if... Putting Serena in this room, which I know she's just being detained, she's not arrested, but putting her in this room and the baby just being around for a little nugget at a time, and then the rest of the hours of the day she just gets to sit there and rock back and forth and think about all the bullshit she's done, is she going to lose it? I mean, is there a fair shot that the idea of, I tried to tell them you can't leave someone in a room and have them not lose their mind. I know they gave her a newspaper and I know they gave her pizza and that's a hell of a lot nicer than June. But is there something to this that like, she's just going to lose her shit anyway? It could really be. Unless unless it's just temporary. Like Tulo indicated that there was a certain process they needed to finish with, with Fred before they would release her. Just what is that process? Like, how can they mean? really honestly it was one and why thing why are the two related? It was one thing to have this idea of Serena running away as like she had been kidnapped by her scary, scary husband, and it was just her by herself. This was long before Nicole, when the original Tulo conversation was happening, right? Yeah. When he when she she was given the coconuts and trees in conversation, right? That was one thing to like allow her to go to Hawaii and be like this woman who had just got caught up in bullshit. But she has not gotten caught up in bullshit. And she has like maintained a Tulo that she was 100% in on this. This is her husband. This is her marriage. She is all in on all this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like she's said a lot of things at this point and has pushed back on him enough to be like, I'm in this and I believe in this. Yeah. I'm just here to get my baby in a way that like, how do you ever let her go free with or without the baby? How do you ever let her really walk free? Legally, you can't keep her forever if you're not holding her as a criminal. But I think you just could. I mean, I think you could get more like Guantanamo Bay style. Is Moira allowed to press charges against her? Why well, not? Well, what did she do against her? Why wouldn't you say that I, I'm here as a witness that she held down, you know, my friend and rape and all these things. She's kidnapped my friend. She's held her for hostage in a house. We all know she has that she has her there. Couldn't you couldn't well, there be something? It's ugly, but it's circumstantial. She knows how the ceremony works because she was a handmaid herself briefly before she went to Jezebel's. Mm-hmm. And she knows that June had the ceremony with Fred. Well, it but has she to wasn't be. there. But but even even Serena would say, Yes, of course, that's how Nicole's my baby. Because otherwise, what rule does Serena have in this unless she was a part of the ceremony that created Nicole? Which, you know, again, Which we know it didn't, the rest of the next, the rest of the universe, it's got to be thinking, but we don't believe that's a thing. Exactly. Anyway, so, so, so weird. I just don't see a situation where Canada can like freely let her walk clean. And I think she's like delusional to think that she's going to be able to. Now, I don't know on what grounds you keep the woman. I don't know if you say she's like mentally unstable. I don't know if you try to say, look, 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 she needs some like major counseling to get like deprogrammed from Gilead. So we're just going to put her in this really, really comfy place with pizza and newspapers. But like, there seems like there has to be something. You can't really let her out to the free population without being scared that she's going to do something else. What if she's just going to snatch other people and take them across the border? There's nothing about her that seems stable or safe. Here's something. She was a firebrand author, you know, a, a super conservative author before Gilead. Mm-hmm. And I wish they bothered to remind us. And they've been talking about her writing. They've been giving her the newspaper, meaning you're allowed to read now. Mm-hmm. And Do you think that, they're going to try to make her see if she'll write something horrible again? Maybe. Maybe not make her. Maybe she just does. No, not that, I don't mean make her. I mean like feed the fire, you know, like continuously give her supplies, make her feel comfortable, make her feel like, hey, nobody's judging you. Write whatever you want. And then when she writes a bunch of bullshit, be like, mm, yeah, see, this is the problem. You write shit like this. It would be interesting to see what she does write, though. I mean, it's does gotta be bad shit. Does she, but does she double down with her ideology? Good call. Or is she like, I lived it. It doesn't work. Uh, you know? No idea. No, she's so, she's so off the wall. I mean, on one hand, you see her driving and you think like, no way, she totally gets it. She yells at Fred like, how could you take this away from me, right? But then on the other hand, she's still walking the same walk, being a bullshit person to everybody, you know? Even when they came in, she's like, you know, may the Lord be with you. Like, she can't even say hello. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, her brain is still Blessed like be, quite messed said. up yeah. is what I'm saying, you know? I just don't see them letting her walk free. 
Okay, now speaking of who like really needs a little comeuppance, could you believe that they allowed Fred to have a meeting with Luke? Uh, what the, what the, what, what? Man, it is up to the prisoner, I guess, in that case. That's what they were leaning on. They just, they, they're not going to sh- shut down a, a visit request. But why would Fred accept it other than the extreme kind of confidence that comes along with being like a braggart? Like, I haven't done anything wrong. That's just how our people do things. I would take it like, I mean, he was... Telling Luke, bad news, even if you undo Gilead, she's not coming home to you. Because she's been completely and totally changed by everything in my country, and you're never going to get your June back. So ha ha ha. He just took what Luke kind of gave him and and tried to hit back with, with words. Of course, this made Luke hit back with fists. Defend that more. Because I, I honestly think that he was always ready and willing to give Luke like a big smackdown about how, you know, you you think that she's going to come back to you. She's not going to come back to you. You think he had that commentary ready? I think that the second that he knew Luke was coming in, he wasn't a blank slate. I don't think he was like, mm, I wonder what Luke's going to say. You know what Luke's going to say. How dare you do this to my wife? Where's my fucking wife? What'd you do to my wife? You're an asshole. Well, like, but Luke brought up wives first. What? Luke brought up the whole idea of wives first. You no, know? of course, but that was the only thing Luke was going to bring up. What else was? What else was, was Luke going to come out and talk about? Like the price of pizza? Well, he had. Like, that, what are you talking about? He got dragged away, and he, and I wonder if if that book that he left behind has anything, or if they if they let it stay in the room or whatever. It seemed to be his research on Fred. He had that binder. Well, what what did you think it was a research on Fred? Because he said all that stuff that was kind of specific about like how they had the same upbringing, and they had you know went to fancy schools and. Yeah, I think it was research on a bunch of stuff, but Fred was one of the things that he was that was in there. And so when he's like, I'm not done, I'm not done, he had a lot of shit to say in there. And I don't think it was all poking about wives. It was he wanted to say some more incisive things, but in very Luke like fashion, it's it's not really thought that's, out how he's how that's he's the supersonic bummer is that Luke has continued to be a character that constantly comes in unprepared constantly like we talked about this with the airport visit where you're like you didn't realize until like an hour in you could ask questions about June you know like you you could have asked questions about you know like a tit for tat like I'll tell you something about Nicole you tell me something about June it took him like forever and he ended up only getting in like two questions before it was over this was the same exact scenario it's like you came in hot and you started yelling right away and then psh, you blew it you totally blew your entire time you didn't ask the questions or say whatever it is you wanted to share you know whatever this thing is you wanted to get across was totally lost but you kind of knew he was going to go right for june because he's like he's like when you see those terrible situations where like a child was murdered or something like that and they allow the victim statement to happen yeah and you know they start off cool for about the first two sentences and then they're flying over the panel and, and, yeah area they're over the, the podium they're screaming the rage takes over like yeah. you get that but it's very predictable and i'm not making light of that i'm saying this is very predictable that there was no way Luke was going to stay on message because the second he was looking at Fred's freaking smug face, he was going to fly over the podium. You Could know? he be more smug? He was like leaning back. I know. And- he was disgusting. I'm surprised he didn't say st- and you, Dude, do you know how many nasty things he could say about like having had June? Uh, yeah, he could have. He had, he could have been he had all more. Like, all, he had more to say too. He could have been all like, you know, that birthmark on our inner upper thigh. Yeah, I know that birthmark. You know, like he could have gone there. Right. You know, and been pretty disgusting about it. So I don't think that that shit's over personally. I think that if you've got Luke and Fred in the same country and they're allowed to have any amount of conversations, it might be through a plexiglass thing. But I think there's going to there's got to be more. Right. Otherwise, why make this man care on this freaking notebook that they bother to say you have to put through the security thing and blah, 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 blah. Like they put so much emphasis. Mm-hmm. Listeners, what is up? He's got more to say. He's got more to say. And I want to know if you guys have more to say. What do you think is going to happen next? Do you think Serena walks clean? Do you think that they're actually going to drum up some sort of charges against her somehow, some way? What's going to happen to Fred? Is he going to give up some of the other people in Gilead and somehow he walks free? Because it's certainly possible. I mean, for God's sake, for as long as we've watched this show and as many, many killings as we saw at the beginning, not a lot of people on the wall lately, folks. So do we really have any belief that Fred's like going to the chair or anything? Do they still kill war criminals? I don't know. They certainly acted like Joseph Lawrence was going to be killed. Back in World War II, they were hanging him. But I don't know that that would be a very modern 
approach. I don't know if given all that has America has had happened to it, if he was being brought over to America where June was actually taken from. I don't know, Polly. I mean, it, it, it would... I think you just lock him up. I think you'd lock him up forever. And I think America might be down with the death penalty again. I mean, think of all their they lost their whole country, P. To these people. You don't think there's like some serious comeuppance? You think they just lock them up and throw away the key? Or you don't think they march them out in public square and say like, all of Gilead, you best come out or else? I would always think that there's some last drop of info that might be in there that we could squeeze out of him. Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, I'm looking forward to the big finale for 13. I haven't seen if this is going to be a longer episode than normal, although it wouldn't be odd if it was. I haven't seen anything about it. If it's going to be longer, do you know anything? I know zero. Okay, we don't, you guys, we don't even know the finale name. We know nothing about this, but I've got to think that how far can we possibly get here, Paul? This is the number 13 of the entire season do we possibly get to a plane and kids or or is this entire season just ramping up to next season, which we already know now as of today has been renewed? It has to end on a, on a cliffhanger because the other two have. If it goes to plan, then the kids get on the plane. Maybe the plane takes off, but that's all you see. But we've brought up a lot of, I think, very good points about why they may never get to that plane. If they go that route... They don't have enough episodes to really resolve that, I don't think. So that what, would, I'm sorry, what do you mean? Well, just the idea that like if Joseph kind of is like, you know what? Fuck you, I'm not doing it. How can you end the season with that? I don't know. It does seem like something has to happen, but it's like, I mean, it seems like we get all the way to that point and then there's some sort of like spotlight on June with Lawrence being like, there she is, boys, pick her up. But then again, it's like, oh my God, if it gets to that point, how is you not being killed? I mean, how could you possibly wiggle out of that? Oh my God, if she gets caught in this and if and Lawrence is the head honcho, what the, what? I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there has to be serious consequences. I don't know, you guys, we have got to think real long and hard about how in the world does this season wrap up in a way that feels remotely satisfying and like we didn't just really unbelievably tread water. Because honestly, if this ends, even with us like in motion towards the kids getting away, we didn't actually accomplish jack shit. I know the watered furs are like all displaced and now pushed out because we thought they were going to end up in D.C. We thought this was going a different way. So the fact that Fred's in Canada behind glass walls, this is turning out much different than we thought. If they wanted to get really pedantic about it. Let's hear it. Well, Lawrence's house no longer has a man and wife parent unit. Okay. Why would you still need a handmaid hanging around? Totally don't. Because I assume they place children born with handmaids with couples. Of course. So why wouldn't she be reassigned right away? I would think she has to be. Again, unintended consequences of allowing Eleanor to die. Somehow I doubt that that will be what is involved in next week's episode, but... You make total sense. And they bothered to show Aunt Lydia at the funeral. You know, she's like, hey, Aunt Lady, I'm going to like go over and talk to, you know, Commander Lauren. She's like, cool, cool, cool girl, go. And like totally lets her go over to the grave, which I kind of feel like she'd have been like, oh, Joseph, get in line. You know, because it's like, what? Why? Why do you have a relationship with him where you need to go console him? Like, come on. He's a commander. You're a lowly handmaid. What you going to go say to him, girl? You know, you don't have anything to say. But I'm with you wholeheartedly, though. So, but think about that, P. Think about the unintended consequence. Like, without having a wife in the house... You don't have any reason to be at the Lawrence's house, period. No. yeah. So now you've just like busted up that whole group, including hanging out with Beth and having connections to the other Marthas. This is like a huge problem. So, man, I feel like they're leaving this with people blown up all over the place. I don't see good things happening at all. No, I think the plan has got to blow up, but I don't know how they blow it up in a way so that you end the season, make it feel like something moved forward and that drives you into wanting to see what happens next season. Not only that, but how, man, Paul, how do you not have the plan literally blow up and not have 52 children as casualties? Because are that, they willing to do that? That would lose a whole lot of audience. If that happens, but how, how is it even meaningful unless you do have the cargo? 
Who cares if the plane just blows up? Big, big wonkin' deal. Are they going to show us in a finale 52 children screeching as they yank them off the plane? Because that's what they showed us in that one. Remember how awful with those men grabbing their arms in to pull June out of that plane? Remember yeah. how awful that episode was? Yeah. So if they have 52 little babies on a plane and we're going to watch grown-ass adult men with like machine guns and these little babies screeching as they yank them back off the plane, hello, who the fuck's starting in next season? A more effects-heavy show. I know that there's probably all kinds of invisible effects in this in terms of, like, set extensions or city, you know, embellishments or whatever. But there's not, like, explosions and transformers and it's shit. some gunfire. Right. Right, exactly. But one plausible, very dramatic, cliffhanger-y type ending would be there's a plane, it's flying, Lawrence isn't on it, and he's saying, shoot it down. Because now he's in charge and all the other commanders are looking at him or something. Or maybe Do they know children are on the plane. Maybe they just know that there's a plane trying to cross the border with children. Well, without permission. Why would the commanders ever hold back unless they knew there was children? That mm. would be more of a question mark. I could see it where people might hesitate to shoot because he says, you know, they've, they've got our children on that plane, shoot it down kind of thing. And then. These are all the dads, in theory, of those children. All the commanders are the fathers mm, right. of these children. Are you shooting down your own children? I mean, that could be the cliffhanger of it. You let them go, a la Serena and Nicole. Do you let them go? Maybe he doesn't say shoot it down. Maybe he, he won't give the order, so that's just as bad. They still take him away for that. I don't know. Very complicated, you guys. It's going to keep us up nights, I'm sure. You guys, too. So tune in next week. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.